This is the first moment of the rest of your life, indeed the rest of your eternity, and the next decision you make will be the first decision that you will ever make. Today we're wrapping up a three-part series on how to become and remain happy. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? You're tuned in to the Frontal Lobe Podcast, your source for discussion and thought-provoking insights into the issues that matter. I'm your host, Mac Finner. Join me as I explore new ways to navigate the challenges of modern life by shifting perspectives for a better tomorrow. And I find myself asking why. What's up, guys? Over the last two episodes, I've been talking about some practical ways to overcome the weight of circumstance and make a conscious choice to be happy, despite the strikingly negative stimuli which life sometimes throws in your face. I've offered up a few unique theories, like the idea that happiness is a direct and immediate result of being truly thankful. Hey, when you create your own universe, you can make it however you see fit, but like it or not, that's the way this one was designed. And I discussed how to use this knowledge as a tool to swap a negative emotion out with a positive one at will. Finally, I mentioned that Jesus is the ultimate formula for walking in true happiness, and he tells us to deny ourselves, to die daily to our old selves and put on a new identity in him. No matter how much I try to build with this series on happiness or how high I build it, inevitably it will all come crumbling down if it's not built on a solid foundation of truth. As I mentioned in my last episode, I'm not a pastor, nor do I have a degree in theology, so I thought it prudent to have someone on who is and who does. Let me introduce you to our special guest today who has a passion for preaching the gospel. His teachings compel audiences to leave behind a nominal faith and pursue a life of encountering Jesus. With years of travel into unreached nations, his global perspective provides a unique approach to unfolding the scriptures and communicating biblical truths. Along with his wife, Jenna Lee, and their four boys, they have witnessed God move in powerful ways as they've cultivated effective avenues of ministry. He completed his BBA in economics at Lamar University and his doctorate in theology from the Midwest College of Theology. He is also ordained with the Assemblies of God and has served with various mission organizations. He and his wife are also directors of Free Life Missions, a nonprofit mission organization. Pastor Stephen Samuel, welcome to Frontal Lobe. It is an honor to have you, sir. Uh, it's an honor to be here, Mac. I appreciate you calling me uh, to be on the show with you. Well, we appreciate you. You've got an impressive set of credentials here, but this list isn't complete, is it? You're also the associate pastor at Community Church in Orange, Texas, and you're an amazing writer as well. You've got an ongoing blog and a podcast, and you're the author of a book. You wear many hats other than theologian, not the least of which are husband and father, but your family seems to be highly involved with your ministry, right? Yes, we uh, we feel that's a big part of what we do is having our kids involved with us. And, you know, of course, at at my age now, which isn't very old, uh, we've been doing (laughs) ministry now for 25, 25 something years. And uh, you learn a few things along the way as far as keeping your family engaged with you and what you do. Absolutely. Yes, I I hope to keep my family engaged in everything I'm doing as well. So 
You just came back from a mission trip overseas. What can you tell us about it? Does your family ever travel with you? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, in fact, all all three of my four boys uh, have been traveled with me on mission trips. The youngest one coming along about time to book him for a trip with us. And uh, just got back from a, a region in the Middle East, and we were working with Iranian families there, bringing the gospel to them. So it was a very powerful trip, uh, very uh, somewhat covert operation, but yet very effective uh, working with our team on the ground there in the Middle East. So how was it effective? Well, uh, you know, our, our overall mission was to find these families in the region we're at and sit down with them and speak, talk to them about their life. And of course, uh, you know, the Iranian people don't identify as Muslims. They identify as Persians. And Persia is a culture that dates back some 2000 something years. And, and talking to them, which was I was very interested and very uh, surprised to find that some 48, 49% of Iranians hate probably isn't a strong enough word, but hate Islam. And they're looking for a deliverer, someone to get them out of the, uh, wow. the wickedness, the corruption that the Ayatollah has brought about into Iran. The people have been crushed under the oppression of this Islamic regime. Uh, all in the name of God has pretty much uh, done deplorable things. And of course, anybody that has half of a mind to find out the truth and look beyond the, the media facade that Iran puts in front of the world will realize that Persians are beautiful people that have been smashed under the dictatorship of a regime that makes Hitler look like a schoolboy, you know, and uh, really? it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty diabolical sabotage martyrdom of a culture and a people under the name of Islam. And uh, of course, uh, we go in not fighting Islam, but going bringing bringing thoughts of promises of what Jesus promised to any people who are oppressed, you know, that they can find the truth and the truth will set them free. And uh, kind of in line with what you're talking about here and in a more realistic, uh, or not realistic, but a worldview, how do you find happiness in the midst of oppression like that? The answer for them is the same as the answer for us. You know, it's a matter of believing the, and finding the truth of who you are and who God is. And uh, those two fundamental questions of who you are and who God is, is the pathway to perpetual, consistent happiness in our life. Absolutely. And that, that ties into what I'd like to talk to you about. As you know, I'm doing a series on how to become and remain happy. Yeah. And the usual list of ideas on the topic offered by the world is long. Surround yourself with positive people. Do regular acts of kindness. Spend more time with family and friends. Spend money on experiences instead of things. Smile. Mm. Exercise. Get mm. plenty of sleep. The list goes on and on. And I'm not saying that those things don't have much or any merit if happiness is your goal. Mm. But as a Christian, I know that choosing Jesus makes choosing happiness much easier in your daily life. Mm. I'm acutely aware that although the feeling of happiness may be attained using psychological tools, even if they are based on innate truths woven into the fabric of creation for our benefit, all feelings are fleeting. Mm, yeah. They are destined to change and fluctuate, mm. uh, whereas sustaining true peace and joy, like you just mentioned, are only manifested by walking with Jesus. But when I've tried to keep it that simple in the past, it's been easily dismissed by others. What's the secret of happiness? Jesus. Okay, gotta go. See you. People don't want to hear that. Yeah. Here's my 
my question to you. As a pastor, your platform is generally set up to engage with people who are already considered Christians. But as a missionary, your outreach is to these people you're describing who don't know Jesus. In fact, Mm. your mission field is traditionally made up of Muslims. So how do you successfully introduce Jesus to someone who may have even been taught to hate Christians? Mm. That's a good question. I think so much of the ministry here in the United States is people are, are searching for a sense of purpose and happiness in the midst of having an abundance of things. You know, we're a very wealthy, wealthy nation. Mm. And uh, the, the cause for atheism in America, it's not scarcity, it's abundance. It's I have everything. So why do I need Jesus? Uh, and they don't have that oppression, yeah. that oppression that you described. But ironically, or somewhat coincidentally, whatever side of the spectrum you're on, you, you know, opulence and wealth or oppression and you know scarcity happiness is found the same way in both both camps in that happiness comes not from just a what should we say external inputs into our life or consciousness or an awareness Uh, happiness comes from a relationship with a person and that one person is jesus and so when jesus offers to his disciples and and of course in, in in biblical language they call that joy right he says, the joy that I can give you, it's the offer that he gives to the disciples. He says, your joy will be full. And then he lists out just a, a brief synopsis of the peace that he can give. And that if you love one another, your joy will be full is his promise. Um, so, of course, I'm sure you've already gone into the dialogue of you know, happiness versus joy. Happiness is influenced by things around us, whereas true happiness, which is joy, comes from the inside of knowing who you are, why you're here, and what you're doing. And your purpose in life. I like that. You could say happiness is fleeting yeah, because it's influenced by all these things in our lives. And, and we can choose to feel great no matter our circumstance. But yeah. it's hard to stay there without that relationship with Jesus Christ. I agree. What I think I hear you saying is that joy is a permanent happiness. Is that what I hear you saying? Uh, you know, I, I would think, you know, from a biblical perspective, joy is defined in the scriptures as an evidence or a fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in mm. your life, right? Okay. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith. And those attributes are not singular. They're uh, a culmination of this is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. There's joy. Happiness, on the other hand, is an emotional response, uh-huh. which can be reflected as joy, but it's an emotional response to circumstances around us, right, you know, right. or uh, situations that happen to us. You know, I found the right person. I'm happy. I found the right job. I'm happy. I've got it. A new house. I'm happy. But joy is a deep seated. I know my purpose in life. I know why I'm here. I know what I'm doing. And even amidst uh, difficult situations, I can sustain a place of contentment, joy Indeed. and purpose, even when I'm going through hard yes. stuff, even if I. Uh, the scriptures point out because most of the Bible is eschatological. It's a speaking of the way the life should be in the end. Right. James in his letter uh, to the church says, count it all joy when you go through mm. diverse temptations, diverse trials, yes. knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you will be perfect and entire lacking nothing, complete and entire lacking nothing. And so joy is something we can have even in the most horrendous of situations where things are done to us against us by people who don't like us and you can still sustain joy which on the outside looks like happiness but on the inside it's a supernatural ability god gives us because of our relationship with him 
And so I think uh, though they're they're twins, joy and, and happiness are twins, they're still uh, one's an, an emotional response, whereas joy is a spiritual or supernatural ability God gives us amidst turbulent times. And even in good times, we have joy that sustains us. Yes, agreed. I think you mentioned, uh, I found the right person. I'm happy that I found the right person. I'm happy that I found the right house. Or you kind of went through a, a little list of things. And I hear myself saying thankful, replacing the word thankful with happy in each one of those scenarios you gave me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when I'm talking about deciding to be happy, I think I'm I'm more talking about the circumstantial side of things. But then what I want for people is to have it permanently in their life, which entails a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, uh, you know, currently the Frontal Lobe podcast is categorized as self-improvement. Uh-huh. But as I mentioned in my last episode, I always end up finding Jesus at the bottom of profound truth. So I know scripture will come up quite often yeah. in these episodes. Yeah. And I mean, knowing Jesus is obviously the best way to improve your life. Right. But a religious category, I'm concerned, may close a door to those who don't know Jesus before yeah. they've even heard what I have to say. Sure. When I talk sure. about Jesus right up front, people just shut it off. They say, nope, that's not for me. It's not my thing. But once I get my foot in the door and mm. we discuss things, if they're open to reason at all, yeah. then inevitably, as the conversation proceeds, we'll end up talking about Jesus. Because like I said before, yeah. he is at the bottom of every deep truth. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's true. You know, there's a great statement that, that uh, I've heard a couple of times in the last last few months. It's uh, the thought that all truth is God's truth. Like all truth comes from God himself, because Jesus is the embodiment, the fullness of truth. Agreed. Yeah. Right? He says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And so I think there's there's wisdom in knowing how to communicate that in a way that initially touches people's lives initially and even progressively touches people's lives with a practical approach of this is what living is really about. I think you are right. There is a an offense that people have when you just go into a religious motif of presenting what your points are, because people have been fed up with religion for a long time now. I mean, you pick a religion that's oppressed people and Christianity, along with the rest of them, has been used for the ends of people's personal agendas, wickedness, uh, tyranny, whatever. Indeed. And so, uh, but that's, and I don't know why people jump on that bandwagon. And that's why, you know, Christianity is so horrible. But like every religion does that. Atheism has killed more people than Christianity, Islam, Buddhism put together, you know. And so any, every belief system has its vices in that people can twist the ideology to meet their selfishness. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Well, the enemy loves doing that, doesn't he? Well, and then, but the, the, the difference is when, when Christians, well, when people in the name of Christianity are violent and oppressive and narcissistic, they are working in contradiction to the teachings of Jesus, whereas not so much the case in other faiths. You know, I mean, Islam, you look at the life of Muhammad, he does what every terrorist does today. You know, like they're not acting different than the originator of their ideology. You know, Gautama Buddha, I mean, he abandoned his family, abandoned his 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 responsibilities in life and went and sat and meditated himself, you know, into some ideology about abandoning desires and just the, just the logical contradiction of desiring to not have desires is the purpose of life. I mean, you think about it, doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> I'm going to be happy when I get rid of my desires, but that in itself is a desire, you know? And so I think every worldview has its contradictions and yet 
Jesus stands completely opposed to their ideologies of selfishness and pursuit of happiness within themselves or within a following a teaching Jesus offers to us. Because it's not about you. All right. It's not. And Jesus offers us happiness by saying, look, don't focus on yourself. And your answers are not in yourself. They're not in your intellect and your ability to just conjure up uh, ideas. They're in me. And a relationship with me gives wisdom, gives intellect, gives uh, a higher level of growth and sustainability. But it's not something we can do in ourselves. It's like, you know, when you're when you're sinking in quicksand, the answer is not in your pockets. <laughs> it's outside of the quicksand, you know, and that's this. Exactly. And this was my point. I think, you know, you're you're backing up my point that Jesus is the formula. He was never part of the problem. Yeah. And, you know, the guys that were nailing him to the cross, yeah. he says, Father, please forgive them. You know, uh, they know not what they do. Well, look, you know, I, I thought about it. And before the ascension, people weren't just walking in grace. Yeah. Right. Am I? Yeah. You know, so people didn't have Holy Spirit indwelling within them, walking around in the uh, new covenant before the ascension. Mm -hmm. So it occurred to me that the guys that nailed Jesus to the cross may have been the most washed, clean, forgiven, innocent people on planet earth at that time. Because when the son of God goes to his father for your forgiveness, you are forgiven. Mm -hmm. His grace is so abundant. Yeah. And they didn't even ask for forgiveness. Uh -huh. And yet he went to the father for their sake. So this is the exact opposite. It was never about him. He was always on the outside of the problem. He's the solution to the yeah. problem. You know, I think one of the things about happiness is it, it's a byproduct. As we, as we read in Galatians 5.20, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. It's a byproduct of the indwelling work of God. And so probably to be more specific, what did Jesus do when he died on the cross? It wasn't just the atonement of our sins before God. It was to remove from our nature, the sin nature, the selfish nature, and to put in us the divine mm, nature. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like every time someone believes on Jesus, they're not just getting a get out of jail free card. They're getting a, you're no longer a uh, perpetrator card. You know what I'm saying? You're no longer the one that has a nature that's evil. Right. So it's not just a- That's good get out of jail free, uh, you know, blank check, you know, all your sins are forgiven because then you still got to deal with the issue of why you sin, you know, or what makes you sin mm, or the nature of yes. sin that's inside of you. And when Jesus dies on the cross or died on the cross, the Bible says that he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. So yes. you become a new identity by God puts his spirit inside of you to become someone that's like him. But you have to die to and yourself Jesus first to, it is, to enable but I think this. That's, yeah, but I think that that even the concept of dying to self, it's an ability that God gives. And unless you yield to that ability, which is obedience and dying to self, you're right. you cannot acquire happiness. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. And there's a lot of religious people sitting in church trying to acquire happiness, but they don't want to give up their, good, their idea of what a good life well, is. Well, you said it. They're religious. Okay. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons a lot of religious people aren't happy is because they want God to do what they want. They feel will make them happy. Well, that's the same trap you're in before you follow that's Jesus. selfishness, right. And so I think, you know, like we're talking about, happiness comes from a relationship with Jesus. As he speaks to us and as he guides us and he tells us how to grow in our knowledge of who he is and the purpose he has for our life, it's not a subservient relationship where we just – you know, blind faith, yes, God, I'll do whatever. It's a, yes, God, I'll become 
the man of God, the woman of God you've called me to become by laying aside my selfish identity. Nice. Like you mentioned, like you mentioned it, uh, you know, the book that the only book I've wrote so far, <laughs> A Reason for Hope, I cover that in, in this idea of what happens at salvation. And I think for the sake of minimizing and making them sound bites that we want to be able to transfer, we, we say things like Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. Well, not really. Jesus died to make you a saint and not a sinner any longer. That's why he really died. He died to put his divine nature in you. And the side effect or the, the symptoms of walking in the divine nature, as Peter says, is happiness. We find a sense of contentment, of joy, even in suffering, even in difficult times and even in That's the nominal true. times. There's a sense of I'm doing something. I'm remind I'm doing something that gives happiness and joy in my life. But we've got to get our eyes off of the carnal yeah. fleshly selfish desires and the things of this world. We've got to get our eyes focused on Jesus. Bottom line. We've got to see the big picture. Eternity starts today. This is the first moment of eternity. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I mean, we can talk on and on about this, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, people that are happy. What about you? You mentioned your book. What else can you tell us about your book and yes. how can people get a copy of it? Well, it's available on Amazon.com uh, or you can go to my website, which is uh, flfreelifeflmissions.org. And there's a tab there to buy the book. Or you can go to Amazon.com and just put in A Reason for Hope and uh, Stephen Samuel and you can pull it up. But the book was a work that uh, when I finished out my doctorate, writing my thesis, uh, I wrote it on the book of Galatians. It was just a, a concise and yet very clear understanding of what it means to follow Jesus mm. and live a life of being transformed. What does it mean to follow him? And of course, Galatians is the first letter as the Apostle Paul wrote. It's actually the first letter of the New Testament written to a first century church before any biographical information of Jesus was written, you know, in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. The book of Galatians was written to a predominantly non-Jewish community. And so diving through that book, I wanted to write something for my kids to know clearly this is why we're following Jesus. This is not about us and just having a, a good life, a, a prosperous life, or uh, <laughs> the American might I even say just right. having a happy life. Yes. This is not about us. This is about something so much greater, and that something that's so much greater is a person, Jesus. And he has a purpose and a plan for every life. And only when we find that fulfillment of purpose and plan that he gives will we find happiness. You know, the misnomer that we get told many times as kids, especially in the Western culture, is, you know, you can be anything you want to be. And really, that's not the truth. You can't be anything you want to be. You can be what God has created you to be. And that's where you're going to find the most fulfillment. Now, granted, God gives us a free will and we have quite a bit of liberty. We have quite a bit of liberty to discover his purpose for our life. And yet there in that is the tension of God has a, has a, a large scale plan for your life and yet allows you the liberty and the freedom to have a mind and think through and critically consider all that he wants you to be and how to move forward into that. So, right. uh, but the book is the subtitle is unlocking God's identity in you. And so I love, I love talking about it uh, because I think it hits at the root of everybody's search for happiness. Oh, wow. That's so good. And you mentioned again, that it's not about you, you know, but mm -hmm. my heart goes out to these people who are just in a dark place in their life. Yeah. They're so lost. I want them to be happy. I want them to to be able to walk in this joy, mm -hmm. you know, daily. Because choosing happiness, even though it's a fleeting feeling, choosing that in the moment 
is so much easier when you're walking with him, uh, when you're walking in joy every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's so good. You know, and I think that, that that's a good way to put it, choosing happiness, because really it's not that you're choosing an emotional response, though that can be part of it. What you're really choosing is to live outside of choosing to behave outside of how you feel. And many times that's how happiness comes. I feel a certain way, but I'm going to choose to behave this way. Ooh, that's I'm good. Act, I like that. I'm not going to, I'm not acting in the sense of pretense, but acting and behaving in a way that says, God is in control of my life. He's called me here for this purpose. And I'm going to trust him to carry me through the, the, the valley, if you will, or the downswing of emotional responses that I could afford but I'm going to choose to trust and, and even be thankful, kind of what you've hinted at previously, thankful for what I do have. And that is a perpetual uh, well of happiness can come out of that kind of a mindset. Yeah. And, you know, I really think you hit the nail on the head there. You kind of said it all in one little mouthful right there. <laughs> it's true. It's true, man. I think, you know, Powerful truths are very articulated many times in just simple thoughts. And listen, happiness is not found by our own abilities, our own our own skill set. It's found in a person, Jesus. And when you get to know him and build a relationship with him, that's where you find the greatest happiness. Absolutely. And you mentioned trusting God, mm -hmm. but you can't trust someone that you don't know. Yeah. And so I would encourage anyone to, you know, spend more time in his word, more time alone with him. You need to be able to know his voice. Mm. His voice can't uh, be confused with your own voice. And, you know, how do you tell the difference? Well, you got to spend some time with him. Yeah. Do you agree with that? And what's your advice on how to hear his voice and how to recognize, you know, his voice among the crowded voices we may hear in our heads sometimes, especially our own voice? Yeah. You know, that's one of those pivotal questions of how do we determine we're hearing God's voice? Well, number one, how do we hear God's voice? Number two, how do you determine the voice you're hearing is God? Right. And so I think, you know, in, in a cumulative uh, approach to that question, because um, there's volumes of books written on it, I would say the first way to hear God's voice, and it's probably not what you're used to hearing is you need to find a community of people who hear God's voice. Mm, that's and good. we call that a church many times. And, and the reason I say that's integral and initial part of this this journey is because dating back to the first century of how the church began uh they weren't distributing bibles you know what i'm saying they were drawing people into a community of fellowship mm. where many people heard god's voice That's a good point and you could hear god's voice by listening to a community of people that you can trust you know and so one of the key steps even when i'm doing counseling uh, the first question i ask is where do you go to church and if the answer is i've been isolated by myself for a few years that's usually how you get ideas erroneous belief systems put into your head is because there's nobody there to bring you to a sense of reality uh, not that you're lunatic or anything but just many times <laughs> we get crazy ideas about how life works based on YouTube reels and videos and Instagram feeds. And, and listen, all that stuff is entertainment. That's not real life. Right. When you're sitting face to face with somebody who's lived a life of following Jesus, they can tell you, Hey, this works and this does not work. And more importantly, this is what God's word says. Let's open right. up this Bible and let's read this yes. together and let the Holy spirit speak to you. just like he speaks to me. And you cannot get that from, you know, broadcasting live stream services, which I'm all for that. Our church does that. But you need to be in a community of people who 
love Jesus and hear his voice. And I know, you know, as a first obsession as well, I tried church and, you know, there was this horrible thing that happened and the pastor did this. And listen, just like there's good doctors out there and good clinics and there's bad doctors and bad clinics, there's good churches out there and then there's bad churches out there. Mm, That's true. And so many times you go to a church, you start getting to meet people and inside your, if you're looking for Jesus, listen, the Bible says like this, Jeremiah, he says, God says, if you search for me, if you seek for me, if you search for me with all your heart, you will be found by me. And so I would say, if you're not hearing God's voice, the first step is to go find a place where God is speaking, you know? Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, so what I tell people is, you know, try a church out for about three weeks, you know, go to three services and then meet some people there. Don't always think it's going to be the pastor that's going to be the one that's going to speak to you the most. Sometimes God puts an elder or an older couple in, in your life or a young couple there that's just been serving the Lord faithfully and say, hey, I want to learn how to follow Jesus. Do you know how to hear his voice? I mean, just be honest. And if they're like, man, I don't know, then keep moving on, you know, like find the next couple or find right. the next place. Uh, I need to know, can you hear God's voice? And if you do, how do you do that? And how do I do that? Can I sit down with you and open the Bible and let's go through and, and let me teach me how to hear God's voice. And listen, that's how they did it in the early church. They sat down together. They had the Torah, the Old Testament, and they taught each other how to hear God's voice by the Holy Spirit's counsel. So the first step I would say to hearing God's voice is get in a church community. The second step is get a Bible and start a methodical reading of the scriptures. You know, the Bible is a very intricate, detailed, complex literary work that spans thousands of years written by dozens of people. And yet the Holy Spirit's voice comes clear through it. Probably the most uh, well-constructed, intricately laced piece of literature over spanning centuries of time. And yet God speaks through those scriptures to us. That's why it's it's an invaluable resource, right? Right. And so community of people opening God's word and reading it. And then as you're reading God's word, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our thoughts, right? It's in our consciousness. He speaks to us. It's not mystical and signs and, you know, little, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, little and omens is what I'm thinking of. You know, people that, that live a life of hearing God's voice through, you know, well, I picked up a penny today or I saw you know, a, a, a horseshoe cloud shape, you know, that, that kind of stuff, though it sounds fun and, and it's kind of somewhat, you know, fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just junk, man. I mean, yeah, like I, there's clear I ways to hear God's voice. don't know how fascinating I find it, but okay. Well, it's, it's fairy taleism. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's not a solid, God never told us now, listen, I want you to find all these signs. And, you know, a lot of prophetic, prophetic people get into that stuff. You know, well, God's speaking through this because I flipped the eggs over and they look like this number, you know, what? And, like, that's not how God speaks okay. to us. You know, wow. God speaks to us through his word, through his spirit and through his people, Absolutely. right? And through the scriptures, through his spirit inside of us and through his people. Now, does it, are there confirming signs and things like that? Possibly, but God never tells us to look for those things. You know, the scriptures don't tell us go out look seeking for prophetic signs and things like that. You open the scriptures, the Bible says all scripture is prophecy. That's God speaking to us directly. And so I would say find a community, find God's word in God's word, and then the inner witness of God's uh, voice speaking to us. Those are the three key prime ways to hear God's voice. If you're not reading the Bible, you're really eclipsing a prime opportunity for God to speak to you. And, and you know, the question is, where do you start? Start anywhere. <laughs> you know, where do you start? Start anywhere. Yeah. I, I would tell people, if you want a full picture of who Jesus is, start in the book of John. Because Absolutely. John begins That's true. at yes. creation. You know? And it depends on who I'm talking to. Sometimes Holy Spirit gives me 
a different place yeah. to start for different people. Uh, I'm, I, yeah. There are times, a lot of times they're younger, but uh, whenever a younger person asks me where to start, yeah. a lot of times it gets put on my heart to tell them Proverbs yeah. uh, or Ecclesiastes, you know, yeah. but then other people who have a different set of, I don't know, I'm just discerning through yeah. his spirit that they need to start in the book of John because they need to understand who Jesus is. Yeah. And there are different places. Yeah. But uh, if you want to understand Christianity, what it looks like, maybe Romans, you know, yeah. is a good yeah. place. But you're the expert, not me. You know, I sure do appreciate <laughs> you uh, coming on today, by the way. Oh, Thank man, you it's so great. much. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's been good. You know, I would think back to the point on your Bible, you know, a lot of times I hear people say, why can't it be just so simple? You know, why can't God just give us – a, you know, a 20 page article, and this is all you need to know. The reason is because life is not simple. Life is incredibly complex, incredibly complex of relationships, incredibly complex when it comes to how to live and find happiness. And so, on the backdrop of a Jewish nation, God gives us the wisdom from ages. You know, the earliest book in the Bible is the book of Job, right? It's not Genesis. And the first problem that Job deals with, or the problem that the book of Job deals with, is why is there suffering in the world? And knowing that you have to go into reading the Bible with all the expectation of, I'm going to have to process this over time, right? For, uh, Psalms chapter one, where he gives us kind of a synopsis of how to understand the scriptures, right? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That there is the key yes. to happiness. Blessed literally means what? Happy. Happy is the man oh, I like that. who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, but uh, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his happiness is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And the Bible even gives us a clear picture of what his life will look like. It says, and he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose fruit shall not, his leaves shall not wither, but it will bring about fruit in its due season. And so it's a clear picture. Like as we go into the scriptures, to understand who God is. And you can't go in thinking in a lazy emotional response of, well, if I don't can't understand it, then I'm just going to throw the book out the window. You have to go in knowing there's truth here and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Right. And, and even in that journey, happiness is found, you know? And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the prime ways to hear God's voices diving into the scriptures, just you and the Holy spirit. Many times God show me what you're saying here right. and God will begin to unfold it. And I could, you know, we could recommend a ton of tools and software and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And they're good. And I have a lot of those tools, but I'm telling you my most uh, landmark moments of hearing God's voice. were not studying some deep theological truths. It was just the simplicity of opening a Bible and saying, God, I need you to speak to me, Yes, you know, and God begins to speak. You know what my heart is. I want people to be happy. Okay. Bottom line. And here, like you mentioned, in the Western societies like America, they're not under oppression like they are where you just came back from on your mission trip. And so people yeah. tend to take a lot for granted and they feel like nothing's going their way. They've got this chip on their shoulder a lot of the time. Nothing ever goes my way and dead gum no. snagged up and such. What's it thingamajiggy? Whatchamacallit? Right. I mean, all of this because someone cut you off on the highway. If that's the yeah. worst thing that happens to you today, wow, you are blessed, you know? Yeah, yeah. But people who are under that oppression over there, is it your experience that they take less for granted? Are they more appreciative of the very simple things? Ooh, I've got a full bowl of rice here, you know, and they're just ecstatic about that rice. Yeah, right. 
You know, that's a good question. I think uh, everyone in their own way, in their own culture, in their own socioeconomic place has a opportunity to find the truth and find happiness or create forms of happiness that eventually lead to captivity and bondage. And so and are they more uh, adapt to finding the truth and more intent on finding the truth under oppression? Absolutely. Hmm. In fact, Jesus would say it like this. He says, you know, when Jesus gives the beatitude, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. Hmm. And so I think when you reach the bottom of, of your barrel, whether it's a socioeconomic level or the bottom of your barrel emotionally or the bottom of your barrel, whatever, in whatever capacity, that's when you're more apt to find the truth. But if you are, uh, you know, think I've got it all and, and, you know, I can figure this out and, you know, using all my resources, I'm going to find happiness, then you're, God will kind of, in his mercy, let you kind of just float it around for a little while until you hit get close to empty. And then you realize, you know what, it ain't in, it, I ain't got all what it takes to find happiness, you know? Right. And uh, unfortunately, that's just the human nature of how we function. It's not that God wants us to suffer, but many times suffering brings a kind of a splash in the face of this is what reality is, you know? And uh, sometimes people need that, you know, they need a place where they realize, hey, what I think is real and what is real are two different things. And I better kind of start playing paying attention to what's going on in my life, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, people have to lose everything so that God is the only thing there, Yeah, that they, you know, so they finally see him. But it, the unfortunate part about it is, you know, you, you're not promised tomorrow. Right. So you may not have the time it takes to roam around bumping into walls right. out there in, in life. You know, somebody has to tell these people about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, one of the uh, statements that I've kind of stuck to is you feed the hungry. You know what I'm saying? People eventually are going to get hungry for the truth. And then you as if they've got, if time. They've got time, but you, they might run. Unfortunately, I hate the fact that you might get hit by a bus tomorrow. And but, you know, I, I want you to come to this realization. Yeah. But what if the clock stops right, right. too soon? Well, and I think that's one of the tragedies of, or one of the tragedies and yet urgencies put on us is to present the gospel as much as we can yes. to as many as we can. Yes. And then in that process, in, in the mission world, we call that people of peace. We look for people. Uh, who are looking for the truth. You know, there was a lot of people that walked right by Jesus and got nothing. Right. Oh, that's good. Because they were looking. That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was in a small population of people. He discipled 12 guys. But at the end of Jesus's life, I mean, how many people were standing around with him? Not a lot. You know what I'm saying? And even after the resurrection, 500 witnesses witnessed him. But how many do you find in the upper room willing to live this life that he offered? 120? You know, right. And so but a lot of people pass Jesus by because they have their own things to, to fulfill and pursue happiness with. Right. Uh, or to pursue to find happiness. And Jesus is not going to come along and just be like, hey, listen, that's, you know, mess up your agenda. He's not kick you your door down. Find him. And, and we can't kick people's door down either. But I have it on my heart to get this off of my chest, so to speak. I've got to get it out there. Yeah. And then, hey, look, the responsibility falls on you to listen and yeah. uh, take heed or pray that you don't run out of time yeah. before you make a wise decision. Yeah. And, you know, our place as, as, as those that pray for the lost is out of compassion. It's not out of, you know, they need to get this. It's what we don't want to see people's lives that's destroyed right. definitely, and then in a sense eternally. And so that's where prayer becomes so pivotal. I mean, how many stories do you know of grandmas praying for their kid, grandkids uh, for decades and 
you know, wives praying for their husbands or vice versa. Prayer is one of those things where we begin to ask God to bring people to the place of realization they need a savior. And uh, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's good. And speaking of prayer, how would you encourage people to engage with your ministry? Prayer? What about donation? Uh, you know, Free Life Missions is a, is a nonprofit. You could for sure, you know, partner with us. We don't put that out there very often, but just, uh, you know, our vision is to reach uh, the unreached people groups. And by that, we don't, we, we partner with missionaries, as it say, that are on the front lines like we just were last week. Uh, in the Middle East. And so prayer would be essential part of what many can do. And then, of course, when you jump on our website, uh, you can click and email me or whatever and stay in touch with what we're doing and pray with us. And what is that website? The website is FL Missions Free Life, the letters FL and missions.org. And what if someone wanted to find your blog or your podcast? I think the website will direct you to all those places. It has a link to the blog, a link to the book, a link to uh, uh, the podcast as well, I believe. That is great. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'd love to have you back on. Would you ever consider coming back in the future to discuss other topics? I would love to, Mac. I would be more than honored to come back and uh, chat with you about anything. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I take that as a compliment. Thank you so much. It has been an honor, sir. You have an amazing week ahead. All right, buddy. You too. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that was a great conversation with Pastor Stephen Samuel about how true lasting happiness is obtained. Hopefully, he'll come back and see us. Now, there were several healthy nuggets in there which really stuck out to me, like happiness is an emotional response to our circumstances, but lasting permanent happiness is called joy, and the Bible talks about it extensively. Stephen pointed out that joy doesn't come from external inputs into our lives. It comes from a relationship with one person, and that one person is Jesus Christ. He also noted that it's not about something we do as much as it's about laying aside our selfish identity and becoming who God called us to become. I'll add that we must become the very thing that set us free, love. We also talked about how to hear God's voice in your life. So if you truly want to find happiness, then pick up God's word and spend enough time with him to know his voice. Links to Pastor Stephen's blog and podcast can be found on the Free Life Missions website. That's flmissions.org. Check it out if you want to hear more of his thoughts. And don't forget to get a copy of his book, A Reason for Hope, while you're there. You can also find his book on Amazon. Again, the Free Life Missions website is flmissions.org. Thank you so much for joining me in this three-part series on how to become and remain happy. I hope that something you heard here helps you in your pursuit of happiness. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about one of the most controversial subjects in America. You don't want to miss it. Until next time, I pray for sustained joy in your life. We'll talk again soon. Asking why. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard today, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Drop a comment to let me know that you're listening and feel free to share. If you'd like to support the continued production of Frontal Lobe, please make donations through Spotify or on Patreon. 
Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. I'm truly honored and humbled to see feedback letting me know that this show is having a positive impact on my listeners. Stay in touch and subscribe now to stay up to date with my latest episode at frontallobepodcast.com. Until next time, remember that armed with an open mind and some divine wisdom, we can face the daily grind together with confidence and dare to reimagine life. Yeah.